I am so glad that you are joining Cindy LeFevre Yorks for this episode of His GPS for Your SOS. We pray these encouraging words will enrich and bless your day. Part 2. The Belt of Truth. In this second of a six-part series, we'll be looking at the components that make up the armor of God referred to in Ephesians 6.14. There, Paul tells us to put on the full armor of God so that we are able to stand and fight our enemy. Since most of us don't have a literal set of armor in our closets, I thought it might prove enlightening to take a look at armor piece by piece. Ironically, this task fits perfectly into my wheelhouse of skills, since I previously worked as a fashion editor and now devote my time to writing about spiritual matters. So let's dive in and deconstruct armor so we can learn how it applies to our lives today. The very first element of the armor of God outlined in Ephesians is the belt of truth. Belts have been around since the dawn of time. They have been used in industry to transport and secure various items. Primarily, they are implemented to secure in place various parts of clothing to the body. If you stop to think about it, Belts are the insurance policy of garments. They secure pants or dresses in place so that the wearer can depend on both to remain stationary on their bodies. The same is true regarding our spiritual belts. In Job 93.1, we read that the Lord is robed in majesty and that He has put on strength as His belt. And in Isaiah 11, where the promise of the Messiah is first revealed in the Old Testament, we read about the branch of Jesse and the shoot that will be generated from it. This promise of Jesus is brought to life by the prophet who declares in verse 5, Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The Roman belt component in armor is known as the clingum, or baltius. It plays a crucial role in the overall effectiveness of a soldier's armor, and did more than secure a pair of pants. The armor belt holds the scabbard, which is a sheath for a sword or dagger. Without it, the soldier's weapon cannot be held in place for battle. Aside from its importance for defense, the belt also had strips of armor to protect the lower portions of the body. If a soldier failed to secure the belt portion of the armor properly, those strips would lie awry on the body and expose areas of vulnerability. The belt in our spiritual armor represents truth. We are told in John 1.17 that truth came through Jesus Christ. And in John 14, 6, Jesus declares himself that he is the way, the truth, and the life. So when we outfit ourselves with the belt of truth, we are also defending ourselves from the lies and schemes of the enemy. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter how carefully our armor is adorned or even the quality of the metal it's made from. If we don't embrace the truth, if we don't embrace the truth or true foundation of our spiritual armor, we are poised to lose the battle. Knowing the truth and living the truth are two different things, however. A child can know he isn't allowed a cookie before dinner, yet all too often his hand ends up in the cookie jar in violation of household policy. Because Jesus, as part of the Godhead, is truth, we can take what he says about it to our spiritual banks. Out of four basic principles of truth, three are centered around recognizing it, and one is centered around doing it. We learn in John that the truth will set us free. When we embrace the truth, we reject Satan's lies. We can even pray to recognize lies we might not identify in our own strength. We can love God, who is grace and truth, with all our hearts, our souls, our minds, and our strength. And that's from Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 
I love how this verse can remind us that God will even give us supernatural strength via the belt of truth to love Him more fully and completely. We also can know that God's Word is truth, and that's outlined in the verse from John 17 we already looked at. So the more we bathe ourselves in truth, the easier it is to spot who's delivering the lies. Recognizing our enemy is critical to doing battle, since it's far harder to fight what we don't see. Finally, when we adorn ourselves with the belt of truth, we demonstrate that we are individuals who listen to God's voice. The enemy recognizes it. Culture and the outside world recognize it. But most importantly, we know and recognize it. Embracing and adorning ourselves with the truth helps us discern the voice of God, as we are told in John eighteen thirty seven. Here Jesus himself says, Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Unlike the belt in armor that may be removed for sleep or in non-battle situations, the belt in the armor of God can and should be fastened to us 24-7. Even if we are unaware of it, our enemy Satan is a relentless adversary, and the moment we let down our guard, he is inclined to strike. In 1 Peter 5.8, we are told that the devil prowls around like a lion waiting for someone to devour. Lions, like Satan, are more inclined to attack the vulnerable, the weak, and the unprepared. But if we are filled with truth, suited up in the armor, and aware of impending attacks, we are more inclined to defeat our enemy. You may be aware of the term en garde in fencing. Prior to the start of a fencing match, a direct call is made to fencers to be en garde. It's a signal that the battle is forthcoming. Unfortunately, in life, rarely if ever do we know a spiritual battle is coming with any real degree of warning. So as you can see, it's crucial to be outfitted with the whole armor of God including the application of the belt of truth. Unlike a mere fencing match, the war between good and evil ensues with far higher stakes. Fortunately, when we use our armor and trust in God for the outcome, we can be ensured of overall victory, even if we don't win every single battle. In Second Chronicles 20.15, the people of Judea and their surrounding counterparts were told not to be dismayed by a throng of enemies because the battle belongs to the Lord. And in Exodus 14.14, we are told that the Lord will fight for us. What a comfort that is. Join me in asking God to fight our battles, even as we outfit ourselves in armor, in faith, for the best possible outcome within the framework of His will. I'd like to now read an excerpt from my third book, The Vault Door, entitled, Investing in Security. Who doesn't remember Linus, the Peanuts character? He was always dragging around his trusty blanket, as he called it. Linus dragged around this textile panacea whenever he went anywhere, confidently justifying its presence to anyone who tried to criticize him for continually toting it around. Security blankets can take on a number of forms. Some are as obvious as fat bank accounts or legal documents. Others might be more subtle in nature, like fawning entourages, an athlete's pre-battle ritual, or a good luck charm. A case could be made that drugs, alcohol, and even sex may serve as a security blanket. Some objects, substances, and activities are often abused by adults to alleviate their stress and anxiety. Indeed, it's human nature to gravitate to what makes us feel secure. But in truth, the only genuine security available to us is hope and a future in Jesus Christ. He is the only security guard who we can place our total trust. In John 10.11, Jesus tells us of the Good Shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. He secured an eternal destination for all mankind— when he shed his blood on the cross to atone for our sins. When we acknowledge this, repent, and receive his grace, 
We enjoy the 24-7 security that nothing can snatch us out of His protective hand. And that's from John 10, 28. Our heavenly security guard not only watches over us, he has a security detail in place that we can't even see. He tells you in Psalm 91:11 that he has placed angels in charge of you so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. And that's from verse 12. There are many stories in the Bible of angels administering to saints. In Matthew 18, we read how they guard children. An angel ministered to Jesus after he was tempted also in Matthew 4:11. Eternal security doesn't guarantee that nothing bad will ever happen to us on earth. But God does guarantee our eternal security and promises in Psalm 91, verses 15 and 16. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and give him honor and show him my salvation. The security of knowing we cannot be irreparably harmed is a great comfort when we fully internalize it. We can trust that no matter what hardship we endure, our divine destiny is forever sealed. Some atheists believe Christians use God as a security blanket. They argue that a divine being serves as an imagined safety net. They claim Christians can't face a world without a divine being and therefore trust in something they cannot see as a defense mechanism. They are only partly right in that assessment. To a Christian, life in this broken world is unimaginable without God. But God isn't our defense mechanism. He is our defense and our ever-present help in trouble as we read in Psalm 46.1. And the keys to kingdom living? Toss aside false securities and cling to Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And the doorpost is, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 15.13 Thank you for joining us today for this episode of His GPS for your SOS. Cindy also posts encouragement daily on Instagram. Her blogs can be found on her website, cindyyorks.com. Her entire Door Devotion trilogy is now available on Amazon.